continued happy Easter to you all, aside from the, you know, the, the raging pollen that's out there, you know, continued joyful Easter to you all, and continue to hope you continue to spread the joy of it and, and keep it uh, the joy of, of that celebration within your hearts. Jesus is the bringer of peace that makes that joy fulfilled, isn't he? From the moment of his birth through the moment of his uh, death and finally his rising, he remains the bringer of peace. This is what Isaiah this is why Isaiah calls him, like calls the coming Messiah, Prince of Peace. From the moments the angels say, Peace on earth and good will toward men. And then finally at the very end, in his final moments with the disciples, he expresses peace be with you. Read, we read uh, from John last week to hear the same greeting of peace coupled with the vision of the resurrection. Why do you think this is so? Always the repetition of peace, that, that extension, the extension of that grace with the vision. There is certainly no shortage of joy in the company of the disciples um, when they behold that vision of Jesus. So we know that peace from Jesus doesn't mean to lift up their spirits of his, the, lift up the spirits of his followers so much as make it permanent. Otherwise, once the appearance is over, they would have gone back to being their mopey selves and gone back to perhaps their fears and depression over the uh, the looming poss- that possibility of the, uh, of the Jews coming to arrest them. But no, it's, it's the, extent, the extension of that grace that makes that joy lasting. But furthermore, as John's account also you know, concurs with the Gospel of Luke that we read today, the followers of the Lord are struck with incredulity. As it says, they were incredulous with joy. To them, as, a, as happy as they were to look upon what they think to be just the spirit of Jesus, just a ghost, they still find the resurrection absolutely inconceivable. It's still, even if they see him, it's, just, it's not enough. But by conjoining the excitement that the followers feel for beholding their master once again with the grace of peace that he gives they finally reach the serenity of the conviction that he is, not was or could have been, but is indeed the living Savior and King of the new heaven and earth, the one that will never lose his kingship. Only armed with this serenity, I think, are are the apostles and all the disciples behind the banner of Peter able to expose themselves as we've been reading in the Acts of the Apostles you know, progressively over these weeks? Only by that strength are they able to go out courageously and speak you know, before the, the ignorant and once condemning and murderous crowds of Jesus and then call them to repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. You could say that, likewise, for for every generation, every generation of followers of Jesus, it's crucial 
that we continue to learn how to surrender to that peace and come to that serenity, thereby presenting ourselves courageously with penetrating convictions. For no heart can be turned without it. If there's something we ought to take note of, I mean, there are many things we should take note of every time we read these passages, but one thing we ought not miss is while Jesus, of course, you know, absorbs the kind of our, our attention in the story, pay close attention to the humanity that is there amongst the disciples. And that is that the truth takes time to convince. It takes time to settle. Especially when that truth is earth-shattering, is as earth-shattering as, as Jesus. It's not... It's not, not because the, the truth is lacking, but because we are. It takes time. I think this is why the Desert Fathers, you know, always advised, you know, those in company with them, their brothers, like, give the Lord more time. If ever there was a discouragement to end their discipleship or end their the particular way of life that, you know, li- lived in that discipleship, they'd always say, give it another day and then the next day if it was the situation was the same they'd say it again give it another day the Holy Spirit works through the delays we give him and it always upsets the plans of the evil one but in that sense you know, we, we come to understand what it means to behold the truth for what it is the truth is not a fact It is factual, of course, but it's not coming face-to-face with facts. That is not what the word truth actually means in its etymology. Truth actually, the the word comes from the Old English troth, which you see in a lot of um, some of the episodes or plays of Shakespeare. and comes from the Old English treoth, which you see, I mean... You see that uh, uh, connected to, say, derived in words like betrothal. So really, when our Lord says he is the way, the truth, and the life, he doesn't mean I am the fact. He means I am the heart. I am the life that convinces The same must be understood as we go out. As we repeat what the first disciples did so long ago. The world struggles to face the facts of the truth. But that's because they have yet to see the facts of the truth that live inside the persons that love Christ. Don't ever let anyone tell you Let the truth speak for itself. The truth must speak through you. That is what turns eyes. That is what turns hearts. That is what gives conviction. Let's pray for that grace, harbor it within ourselves, and pray that we be as effective as the first disciples and abide by that... uh, 
by that instruction that St. John gives us, we show love. We show that convincing, we make that, love, that truth convincing by lovingly obeying his commandments. Thanks be to God.